This is the Gambling Gauchos. Welcome to another episode of Gambling Gauchos, the people's postgame. We just covered a great comeback from Iowa State. As always, though, this postgame is live and unfiltered from the fans for the fans. FYI, if you're listening with young children, there are a few choice words. And now we get to the Barnett Howard and Williams holding court people's postgame. Kyle, take it away. People's Post Game sponsored by our friends over at Barnett Howard and Williams Law Firm. K-State fans, I see y'all. Y'all are loving it. Welcome in. See some TCU fans. I hope we get some Iowa State fans. They were they were gracious winners uh, when they beat the tar out of us up there in Ames a couple weeks ago. And great fan base. I hope that a couple of them tune in and maybe share some thoughts with us. Barnett Howard and Williams Law Firm, owned and operated by three Texas Tech grads, bhwlawfirm.com. They hope you never need them, but they're here for you if you do. This season, up until tonight, a bit of a train wreck. If you're involved in a train wreck, Barnett Howard and Williams handles catastrophic injury cases. Rob, my friend, how are you, man? Feeling pretty good. National Coach of the Year, Mark Adams, huh? Uh, yeah, until they name somebody else National Coach of the Year, I guess that's still him. <laughs> Raining, defending. Hey, I know I know. Uh, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but uh, somebody tweeted on our account that we're about to go five out of our next seven. And had we beaten West Virginia at home, which, you know, should be a winnable game, they'd be 3-0 and right now, and that prediction would be looking okay. We'll see how it shakes out. Um. Let's, uh, I guess, start initial thoughts on the game. Obviously, an insane comeback. I haven't even looked at the the BPI, um, like, win probability tracker yet. I'm sure you were down at, like, 99% probability to lose. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember off the top of my head what your biggest margin was. 23. 23. Okay, I was watching on mute. I bet they probably said that a million times. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and give me your initial thoughts on – Texas Tech finally getting off the snide and winning their first Big 12 game. Yeah, so offensively, stars in the second half, uh, O'Banner and David Harmon. But you do not win that game without Jalen Tyson. And I'm going to say a name here. People are going to get mad. Looking like Kevin McCuller defensively in the second half, jumping in front of passes, creating that run. And Lamar Washington also playing damn good defense. For the first time, like this year, those two, both of them look like they were playing defense for Mark Adams. And those are the first two guys that look like they're playing defense for Mark Adams all year long, it felt like. But they did tonight, and it was pivotal to the comeback, to the turnaround. And if Jalen Tyson and Lamar Washington and Elijah Fisher can start playing perimeter defense like that for more than 15 minutes, Texas Tech is a completely different team. Agreed. Um, I, I had so many thoughts watching that. You know, th- there's kind of been this ongoing debate all season when you when you when you start zero and eight in conference play. Obviously, disappointing based on just about anybody's reasonable expectations coming into the season. And there's a discussion on to what extent is that coaching? To what extent is that talent? Is it bad luck? Is it injuries? And we've seen flashes from this team, and and not even flashes for like five or ten minutes where you go on a run, but, you know, winning entire halves of games on the road against good competition and then kind of blowing it later. And I think that the talent really flashed 
obviously in the second half tonight. And I know that it's hard to kind of operate at your at your ceiling for 40 minutes night in and night out, but that's what the good teams do. But it just kind of reinforced for me that, that this team can do it. And we've seen them kind of knock on the doorstep a few times this year. Um, you know, there have been so many games like I'm thinking back to Oklahoma where you fall down, but I think it was 13 pretty late in the second half. Um, force overtime, wind up losing that game. But, you know, you just see this team in five-minute, 10-minute, 20-minute windows and think, why can't we get that consistently, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, regardless, uh, I guess probably not the not the game to kind of work through all that. I'm just happy that we finally won one against a really good Iowa State team. I mean, uh, a legit top 15 squad, great defense and so it's good to have a quality win under your belt. Yeah, and at no point did I really feel like Texas Tech was going to pull that out, even at the end. Uh, maybe late in overtime, I started to feel some confidence, but it, it, even even late, Davian Harmon just dribbling around and then just kept making buckets. I mean, shout out to Davian Harmon, who did exactly what everyone wants him to stop doing pretty much the whole second half and ended up with a huge number there. Um, just against all odds, really against all odds, Texas tech won that game legitimately. And you want to feel good about it, but Hey, take a step back. You're one and eight. Um, and you need five or six more of those to make a little noise. Yeah. And again, I do not want to rain on the parade because I'm really happy you won that game. But it almost makes some of those earlier losses harder to swallow. Like Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma sure. at home, West Virginia at home. And, and those aren't bad teams, don't get me wrong. But as loaded as this conference is, those are on the more winnable end of the spectrum. The blown, I think it was a 13-point lead in Fort Worth. I think a blown 11-point lead in Austin. And I'm not even asking for all of those back, but just get half of those back. You know, if you can hover near 500 in this league, you're going to be in the bubble conversation. And, you know, this team, I think, is probably better than their record showed ultimately to this point. But it just makes me think, man, like, okay, yeah, you're one and eight, but what if you were even just like three and six or four and five? Like, you'd, you'd have so much more hope. And that a record like that was certainly not without the realm of possibility. Um, out of the realm of possibility based on how some of those games unfolded. Uh, you want to get to the people? Let's do it. All right. We got real TJ Otzelberger. You're first in the queue. Hey man, your guns were looking good on TV tonight. That's about it. The second half was just terrible. And that this, this is becoming a theme is the blowing the second half leads. It's happened in Stillwater. It happened tonight and it almost happened at Oklahoma, but, it's just it's becoming a theme, and I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, I saw some of that from y'all's fan base on the timeline. You know, even when it was still, I think a twelve or a sixteen point game, a lot of Iowa State fans were kind of like, "Oh no, here we go." Um, I think probably depth and foul trouble maybe played a factor in that. I, I think it's fair to say that some of the guys out on the floor looked a little bit exhausted and. You know, it's one of those things that just snowballs. And, you know, when you're up by 23, suddenly you look up and you're only up by 10. It feels like uh, you're not even up by that many. And so I think they just – it obviously kind of just spiraled out of control. And 
once you're in kind of free fall mode like that, it's hard to stop. Yeah, this team needs like this team needs a couple days off. I mean, they've played Saturday. They played at, at Mizzou on Saturday, terrible game. Played tonight, not very good. They just need some. They need to get healthy because that's just the main thing. Is we're just not very healthy right now. But you know, you can obviously sit here as a Cyclone fan and say, "Oh, well, you know, calls didn't go our way." But bottom line is, you can't shoot fifty-seven percent from the free throw line. But on the other hand, it, it's kind of it's really unacceptable for it to be twenty-eight to five, fifteen in fouls. I mean, there's a point there in that second half where Iowa State could not play defense. But on the other hand, you got to make your free throws. Yeah, I thought the I thought the officiating down the stretch was pretty even, but you know there is a discrepancy there, and I I can't really argue that. Um, I will say when a defender goes straight up on a three point shooter and the three point shooter falls, that should not be a foul. I agree with Fran Fraschilla. You got to get that out of the game. Yeah, tap Mike Miles is the key of doing that. He kicks the leg out every time. He gets it every time, also. But yeah, and I think it happened a couple times in the first half. I think Iowa State fouled two, two or three guys from Tech for free throws. Is what it is, man. Twenty-three uh, point comeback, largest in Texas Tech history. Sorry, it uh, had to come against Iowa State, but I'm not really that sorry. So. Uh, enjoy your time. Enjoy your time as Jeez, <laughs> I mean, hey, of all the of all the Big Twelve title contenders whose championship aspirations we would want to negatively impact, I think Iowa State is probably near the bottom of the list. But at the same time, we want Texas Tech to get the dub, so I guess it is what it is. Um, special teams, you. I think you're next, but you have to be nice to your Farmageddon brethren here. I'll try my best. No promises. Uh, I was I was actually more curious on uh, on your guys's perspective for the KU State State game tomorrow, um, but I will not change topics that quick. Uh, my thoughts on tonight's game were, I mean, it's another reason why the Big Twelve is the greatest conference in basketball. I mean, I, like, shoot, I had a, so I learned my lesson to never bet on Iowa State tonight for. The second time I should have learned it the first. Um, I could have cashed my fifty dollar bet out for a hundred dollars to win one hundred three. So I, I mean, I would have only lost three bucks. So I'm like, there's no point. I'll just take the three dollars. No, twenty three point comeback overtime. I mean, one of the greatest comebacks I've watched on TV in a long time. But um, it's it's crazy just that you could easily put Texas Tech in a bunch of other Power Five conferences and they would be top of the pack if not winning it. So, I mean, it's, it's seriously just, like, it's such a super conference. Like, it's nuts. Every week, like, the bottom team can beat the best team because the bottom team should be ranked. Yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma is sort of viewed as, as near the bottom, you know, certainly outside the top six. And we saw what they did to Alabama over the weekend. Um, Texas Tech has hung really close with a lot of the top half of the Big 12 teams. And um, West Virginia, who, like, I think even their own fans would are a little bit um, not super high on their prospects. The computer models love them. They're, like, in the 20s in net and Ken Palm and stuff like this. And so, yeah, it's just absolutely loaded top to bottom. And even the quote-unquote bad teams in the Big 12 um, can still win games against really good teams. 
But uh, this is a Big 12 podcast, so we will dabble in a little bit of Kansas, Kansas State. Are they saying that the fog has kind of lost its uh, its magic a little bit? I'll be at the uh, the game tomorrow, man. I'm, I'm pretty excited because I haven't been there since I was a little kid. Um, I mean, from what I remember, it was unbelievably loud. Uh, you beat, you lose to Kentucky, I feel like the magic might be gone a little bit. But, I mean, you're coming off a blue blood win, so I expect them to be loud as hell tomorrow. Um, you know, I and I, as much as I mess around with KU fans, I mean, I've never had a bad experience in person with one. So uh, I'm really excited for tomorrow. Definitely excited to see, you know, one of the best venues in college basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how they bounce back from what was a you know, pretty historic home loss to TCU. I guess that was maybe two weekends ago. I can't remember exactly. But, yeah, it's good to see Kansas State kind of return to prominence because that's a good – kind of like an underrated rivalry. But, you know, when Kansas State isn't holding up their end of the bargain, you know, there was there were a few lopsided games in that series recently. And so I'm glad that both teams are – I think y'all are 7-8, and eight, right? So top 10 matchup. And, you know, that's, that's really good visibility for the conference and should be, you know – extra juice not that that rivalry really needs it but that should be a pretty compelling matchup i think would be great coverage for the conference except it's on espn plus oh, i know yeah that blows um, ridiculous dude we need your mark to fix that you have to have the ability to flex that i don't care what it is if it's a top 10 matchup put it on espn yeah for sure um desert boy i think you're next uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> the boy is feeling vindicated. Look, there's a bunch of dripless morons out there that are so livid right now that Tech won. They're, they they think that Mark Adams lost the team. I don't know a coach that's lost a team where they come back from 23 down. Does that happen a lot? We're missing two starters, aren't we? But Mark Adams lost the team. I think that's been a little exaggerated. I think the dripless morons are pissed right now. But tech is up. We're still going to make the tourney. Adios. I love nah, the, those rests were crazy. Come on now. What was the free throw? What was the free throw uh, comparison? 30 to like 8? Uh, I saw the score at the end of the game. I don't no, know what you're no, talking about, on, brother. Come on. All right, guys, we're going to keep this mostly civil and uh, not let this devolve into like a Fox News or CNN panel here. But uh, Desert Boy, I love the optimism. And, hey, they've been telling us the run is coming. And maybe it started on Saturday down there in the bayou, and this was just an extension of that, and we're about to go on the run here in Big 12 play. Uh, But, yeah, I hate your point. Uh, 23-point comebacks don't happen hardly ever, uh, like you said, especially not if if the – if the uh, coach has lost the locker room or something to that effect. So we'll see, man. I, I still don't know about the tournament. I think that's a that's an uphill battle from this juncture, but I hope you're right. Hope so. All right, uh, let's get Jonah. Jonah, what's up, man? You know, <clears throat> that was pretty depressing. Uh, can we just talk about some college wrestling or something? You know, Iowa State had a pretty big win against uh, – Oki State yesterday went pretty well towards the end. 
Man, I wish I had something for you on Wrestling Smack Talk, but uh, I know Rob likes WWE, but I we don't have a wrestling team. I don't know anything about it, so I'll take your word for it. Ah, well, that that would be something might be a little bit more fun to talk about for us over here, but I guess that'll be. Well, and uh, well, and baseball season isn't too far away. Yeah, we've been undefeated since 2001. It's been great. <laughs> well, we always have the bridge, man. Yeah, the bridge. You got the bridge. Five-star bridge. The bridge is what's helping me hold on right now. Got to live for it. <laughs> yeah, just don't go jump off the bridge, all right, man? Everything's going to be all right. You'll still have a really good squad, so no need to overreact. Yeah, we're good at home, just not on the road. Road's pretty rough. Yeah. Well, hey, it's it's tough in the Big 12. So, appreciate you uh, tuning in on the People's Post game. Carson, I think you're next, man. What do you got for us? Oh, no, I was just uh, trying to come in while it was devolving. I was going to give a little bit of uh, maybe some sane stuff going on. I, I like the uh, I like the optimism of everybody after getting a win. It feels good, um, all of those things. It's also nice to see a team that – that is, you know, fighting adversity right now where they're may, they may or may not see their head coach after this year. It's nice to see something click in this ball club. I don't know what it was in the midway through the second half, but something clicked and and uh to win a game like that at home in front of not a ton of fans. I mean, there weren't a lot of people there. Um but to to still have the fight and still have the uh, the tenacity they had down the down the stretch and to get a win in overtime against a really really talented Iowa State team as Texas Tech fans you got to feel good about it but also you don't want to get too high on it like Rob and you were saying Kyle it's just one of those deals where you know two weeks ago we were all talking about we were going to jump off of a bridge because of how bad this thing was going so um, it's, it's just one of those things where it's nice to see what we thought this team could possibly be happen one night now you got to see if you can go seven more rounds and, and uh, you know, anything can happen. If you end up eight and eight, you never know what can happen. But uh, I mean, it's a long shot for the tournament. It's a long shot to do that, but it is nice to see finally something um, come out of what this, we thought this team might be this year. Yeah. And there's, there's no rest for the wicked uh, in the big 12, especially with Texas tech. You have to go to Waco, which, you know, is what it is. Not generally a, a tough place to play, but it's still a road Big 12 game. Uh, they just played Texas close. Then you have to go to Stillwater, and then you get to play Kansas State and Texas back-to-back. So it's it's not going to be an easy road, but you feel better after you just win one, right? I mean, it, it there's something to be said about seeing your shot go in, and you saw it go in in Baton Rouge, and maybe that gave you a little confidence. I don't know if it sparked, if that's why you came back from 23 down or if it was something unrelated, but two wins in a row feels much better than seven or eight losses in a row. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. That's a going being 0 and 9 and 1 and 8, there's a big difference. Feels a lot better to say 1 and 8 than 0 and 9. People's Post Game, sponsored by Barnett, Howard, and Williams, BHWLawFirm.com, holding court with us here after Texas Tech knocks off Iowa State. We're going to get to Big Hen, but first I just wanted to circle back to a like an offhand comment earlier. 
about some quote-unquote dripless morons. I think I know who that was directed at, and I just want to stick up for them a little bit and say that they definitely do have some drip, and so that was not quite an an accurate assessment there. But uh, Big Hen, you're in the people's post game. What do you got for us? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. The dripless moron came all the way from Denver to watch the game, so it's not like he's sitting at home. He he came all the way from Denver just to watch the game, so he doesn't want Texas Tech to lose. I I see Desert Boy coming back in the the thing here, but – Coming all the way from Denver doesn't feel like uh, he wants him to lose much to me. Big turn. Yeah, uh, what's going on, guys? Um, rough look for me today. I pink raided. I was out at halftime. I went and got in bed and scrolled Instagram for the second half. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever be able to watch another Tech basketball game because, I don't know, they won – when I wasn't watching. So, um, and I, I, I will also vouch, uh, for the, for the dripless guy. I, I would say he's probably the drippiest of the drippy in my opinion. Well, and you know, drip, right? Big hen. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, some would say I'm i I'm an expert, a, a drip expert. I mean, That's he still I... might be a moron, but he has hella drip. Oh yeah, yeah, dumbest guy alive. But man, the swag is 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 un- unmatched. All right, Rob, we got to sort this out in front of the people. Do we let Desert Boy speak again and respond? I feel yeah. like he left on he left on a really high note the first time we let him talk, and I, I, I mean, don't want this to, to devolve here, again. Can... But uh, you know, the dripless morons in here too. He can uh, also come in if he wants to. We can hash this out once and for all. All right. So are we going to – do you want to improve? We got a lot of thumbs down from the people. Oh, no, we got some thumbs up now. All right. <laughs> so are we going to see? I want to see this happen. I'll be the voice of the people. I want to see it happen. All right, Des- Desert Boy, we're going to approve you, but you got to be nice to the dripless morons. So whenever that connects, uh, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I just – I just, uh, you know, my behavior has been a little bit despicable, and I want to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. All right, that's what we get for that. <laughs> See, all you did, man, now Rob has to edit this and go make a, a bleep noise because this is a family program. Yeah, I'm going to have to add a disclaimer to the beginning of this one. All right, lots of thumbs down. Uh, we're off the rails here in the People's Post game. I will say I respect that line, though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were about to turn a corner there when uh, he was acknowledging some despicable behavior. <laughs> Oh man! Hey, uh, Bibi, they cut away too soon, so we didn't really get to see it. I wonder if the crowd was full uh, after the field, the court storming. Was the court full? I did not get to see. I kind of turned it off pretty quick. We were rushing to the people's post game. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Kevin O'Banner. One of three active players with 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds in his career. Obviously, guy who's been around a long time, and um, that's that's an impressive feat. You know, I think he's kind of taken taking a lot of the heat this season for um, maybe not playing as well as some people expected. But I think, especially tonight, you know, he kind of put on display the effort we're used to seeing from him and the effort that has made him a very 
successful college basketball player throughout his career. So congratulations to KO on that achievement. Um, Jalen Tyson, I thought flashed incredibly on the defensive end specifically. You know a thought I had, Rob, when we're in the middle of that run, and the reason you went on the run was because you just kept turning them over constantly. I think at one point in the second half, it was like 10 to 1 turnover margin in Texas Tech's favor, and you were converting those turnovers into points. So I'm sitting there watching us press and turn them over and climb back into the game. And honestly, it reminded me a lot of what Barrett Peary was known for at Portland State. And I don't know if that was just like a – I don't know if that's a strange thought to have during a moment like that, but I was like, what if – what if we have the personnel to run exactly what Barry Pe- Barrett Peary wanted to run last season and we could have been extremely successful doing that? Yeah, I mean, if Tyson is t- the Tyson he was tonight, if uh, Elijah Fisher continues to improve like he's improving, um, three more rebounds tonight, three points, another assist, um, and then you had Lamar Washington – had two steals. Jalen Tyson had four steals. And, and, and this is the first time, and that second half was the first time an opposing offense has looked truly uncomfortable against this Texas Tech defense. And that's coming off, you know, a year where everyone looked uncomfortable for stretches of games last year. Uh, and when this defense under Mark Adams is at its peak, I feel like, Everyone always felt uncomfortable on offense against Texas Tech. So that was really good to see. Um, And then kind of doubling down on that, what a coaching job by Mark Adams and much maligned Mark Adams this this season. A couple of timeouts early were well called. And then the lineup that you had in the whole second half, I mean, O'Banner didn't see the court again because he wasn't producing. And then you kind of go small with O'Banner. You get to spread the floor offensively. And you get to just focus on perimeter defense. You had four guards out there defending perimeter and O'Banner who can defend the perimeter. I would not be surprised if you see Lamar Washington and Elijah Fisher eat up more and more minutes from uh, Bacho, especially against teams like Iowa State where you're just guard heavy and focused on the perimeter. I don't know that you can do it against everybody in the Big 12, but say a, a team like Kansas State who's not overly – big down low or overly aggressive in the paint in that respect. Uh, you might see O'Banner at the five more and more to, to finish this season off. Um, did I miss something on the broadcast? Like I said, it was muted. Did we just decide to go without Bacho? Did he get hurt? Was he in foul trouble? Or did we just I... decide it was a better lineup without him? I think it was just a better lineup. I have not seen an injury on Bacho now. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you can play like that all the time with with O'Banner at the five. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting – I don't know. It's an interesting approach. I, you might be able to play some teams like that. You know, some of the smaller squads that don't use a traditional big man like Texas. Um, what's interesting is the game against Texas – was Fardoz's first game back. And so he and Bacho were actually able to rotate and you were like pretty constantly using at least one traditional big man. I think that's also the game where they had the AMAC Bacho O'Banner lineup out there. But maybe yeah. 
maybe your best approach is playing small ball. And like I said, that comes with some some give and take. Like you're probably going to get bullied on the boards a little bit if if it's O'Banner and like four guard types out there. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe they found something that, that could kind of work a little bit, at least in, in spurts. I mean, you finished 36-38 tonight in the rebounding total, and Bacho had three. Robert Jennings had one. I, I'm not saying you're going to do it all the time, but in stretches, I, I, I think it's viable. All right, I just had to block the first person from uh, the People's Post game. Did you did you see that request? Yes, that's the that's the guy that was on when I was solo, and I kept having to ignore. Yeah, no, so I removed him like five times, but he just pops right back up. So I had to hit block and remove. Um, we're not we're not pro censorship. We we like to hear from the people, but we we do draw the line somewhere. Uh, I wish I could share more, but uh, we'll we'll just leave it at that. Getting so many thumbs down. Y'all have no idea, truly. Y'all have no, no idea. They, no, those three degenerates know. <laughs> Whatever. People's Post Game sponsored by Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Rob, I'm looking at the box score. Um, first, I'm looking at this chart, the win probability chart. Iowa State was hovering between 97%. Uh, pretty much out of the gates in the second half, they were at 97% or higher to win the game until nine and a half minutes left. So for 10 and a half minutes in the second half, they had a 97 to 99% chance to win the game. And then it, that's where it kind of starts fluctuating and then really falls off a cliff with about, Oh, one minute left in the game. <laughs> and then of course it goes to OT and Texas tech finishes the job. Um, wild game from a, a, from a sports betting perspective. Um, I don't know how many people here listen to our, our preview episode, but I kind of posed the question to you and Ryan, like, are you surprised that, that Texas Tech is only a one-and-a-half-point underdog? And then the line actually moved before the game. Texas Tech was favored by two-and-a-half, I think, by tip-off. Um, and so I'm watching it, and I, and I referenced that. I said, that's why I love looking at the odds before the game, even if I'm not making a bet just to have a frame of reference on kind of what to expect going in. And so I'm watching the game with my stepdad in the living room here. And uh, he's like, you know, why in the world are they two and a half point underdogs? They beat them by 34 a couple weeks ago. They're the 13th ranked team in the country. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think the same way you do. And then, a good, you know, of course, it goes the way it does the first half of the game. And he's like, yeah, that's just – that's absurd. I have no idea how they were underdogs in this game. And granted, took a borderline miraculous finish. Um, but, man, sometimes sometimes Vegas just knows, and it's it's insane. Um, this game kind of epitomizes that in, in a lot of ways. Certainly does. Uh, hey, let's get to uh, Raider Ty. What's up, man? Man, that Vegas line is spooky, y'all. <laughs> like, I'm, it's almost I'm like kinda, they know what's going on. Yeah, like I think they're watching me right now. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, they're not. There's nothing interesting in my life, but I, they could be, and that's what's frightening. Um, I I don't understand watching that second half. Like, what film TJ and the, and Iowa State was watching 
dude, just double team Harmon when he starts going into a dribbling frenzy and going inside. Why are you just playing him one on one? He will lose the ball. And I love. I don't want to just dog on Tech because it was an amazing comeback. But I'm just like baffled that Iowa State played so stupidly, uh, matched obviously by Tech's aggression and just a lot of heart in the second half as well. But just so weird. And, you know, a lot of Iowa State fans are upset because of the foul disparity. They committed about – they committed over 22 against Oklahoma State just a, few, just a you know, few weeks ago. You know, officiating is always going to be the loser's ballad. It's any team. We've done it. Other teams have done it. You know, it's just how it goes. But really cool to uh, just see us fight, and especially Tyson and O'Banner showing up. Um, Honestly, I, I give these dudes so much credit, and like I'm amazed they all still have Twitter accounts um, and have like kept their sanity uh, dealing with idiots like us every day. But uh, hell of a win! I just that was just one thing I was noticing just on defense. Just like, what are y'all doing? It's just and I, and we just decided to run the fuck it. We're gonna drive in every time and just go to the line every, every time offense. And I'm a fan. Yeah. And I get that the officiating in this conference leaves something to be desired, but also you were winning by 23 points. And so I, I'm just not terribly sympathetic on that. Uh, quick vote. Y'all can either give a thumbs up or thumbs down. I've got an Iowa state fan who we're, we're somewhat familiar with. We're on good terms. And uh, he responded to one of our tweets about it being a ref show. Yes or no. Do I hit him with the John Mayer? Go cry about it. Clip. And Rob, of course, I welcome your input as well. Okay, lots of thumbs up and 100 emojis. So, Rob, I'm going to go get some tweets off. You can keep this thing rolling. All right, uh, Kurt, what are your thoughts, man? We were just talking about the foul descriptions. Yeah, no, I, actually, you know, I yes, there were a lot of fouls. But at the same time, I think that's the first time I've seen Iowa State. Like you were mentioning, why in the world were they playing Henson one-on-one, one -on -one letting me get into the paint? Well, they just – this is the first time I've ever seen this team get rattled. They were not uh, playing defense. Um, I don't think the uh, – you know, because there were, what, 12 possessions, 10 of which were fouls on the defensive end, but I think they probably could have been called fouls. They just they just didn't stick to their defensive fundamentals. And, and it was uh, a game very much like Oklahoma State where – Iowa State got a big, big 16 points. Now Oklahoma State shot a bunch of threes and got back into it and ended up winning. But And we maintained our composure through that. We fought hard. I think, you know, Oklahoma State has a little more firepower right now than Texas Tech with, you know, the Texas Tech injuries. But, you know, they and then they just beat us at the end. And, I, you know, Henson decided he was Michael Jordan there and just kind of went off. I hope he can do that against other teams because it was sure was a – a gut punch for Iowa State fans that thought we had a shot at, you know, winning the Big 12 with a, you know, a, a game over Texas and a game over Kansas State, you know, some big wins over Big 12 teams. But, uh, you know, you can't lose a game you're up by 23, you know, and, and expect to win the Big 12. Yeah, and is Otzelberger the kind of coach that just kind of avoids timeouts late? I know he ran out of timeouts there in overtime. He couldn't call another timeout, but – even at the end of regulation, it was kind of a let the boy let the boys play kind of moment. Is that is that his mo or? 
But typically, uh, typically he does let them play. I mean, it's a very old team. So he has trust in them. I mean, the other issue, um, and, and perhaps he should have, because, uh, you know, J- Jalen Holmes will throw the ball away once in a while. But what you saw at a Tame and Lipsy, you know, he's a freshman. That was very uncharacteristic. I have not seen him make that many bad decisions, you know, in five games, let alone one. And so... You know, he may be hitting a little bit of a freshman wall, and maybe maybe Otzelberger should have just called a timeout to calm him down. But uh, um, that typically is the way Otzelberger will coach. He kind of lets the team work his way out of it. Yeah, I was going to ask about Lipsy too, but you said it there. I, I And I do believe in a freshman wall, especially in the Big 12. Um it, it is hard to play that that many tough games, and, and I I agree. I've watched a lot of Iowa State basketball this this season, and it was it was kind of like the rope a dope tonight with Texas Tech. I mean, it's almost like you played bad on purpose just to draw them in, and then knocked them out. I I, I was very impressed with Texas Tech, and obviously I I'm very impressed with Otzelberg, and I like the trust the veteran team, but it just didn't work tonight. Well, yeah, and when and Iowa State fans always say, you know, if you get five or six threes out of, you know, Kalsher and or Caleb Grill, you've got to win that game um, because this is not an offensively talented team. Um, when, when, when your streaky shooters are on like Caleb Grill was, and I guess, you know, when we lost to Oklahoma State and when we got blown out by Missouri, Caleb Grill left early and did not play. And he means a lot to this team, not just for his offense, but he guards three-point shooters well. He's very disruptive on defense, you know. So you know all that stuff is is difficult. And 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 when he plays like he did, if you tell me he hits seven threes, I would have told you we won this game by twenty. <laughs> you know, I just I would have also but, told you that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, you got to credit Texas Tech that they they could have folded. I I I like Mark Adams as a coach. I think he's going to you know, bring the team back around. Um, and, you know, I, in the first half, I thought, ooh, this team is quitting. But obviously not. In the second half, they look completely different. Yeah, hey, appreciate your thoughts, Kurt. Let's uh, get El Jefe in case, and then we'll start wrapping it up, guys. All right. <laughs> what a win. Hey, you know what? Shout out to the uh, tech crowd. While small, during that second half, they got pretty loud. It was pretty impressive for how small. And, and you know, the weather obviously has something to do with it. But but then, the you know, the team performance has something to do with it, right? Like, we, we understand Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but but it, it was nice that you could hear them <laughs> visibly, uh, even though you saw all the empty seats. Um, I, myself... I uh, did have to miss miss this game, um, so I will put myself in the Pink Raider uh, territory tonight. But uh, uh, you know, sometimes you just you just can't make it. But um, you know, are we? And one of my my sayings, people don't like it, um, but but I've said it before. You know, winners celebrate and losers complain about the refs. Um, Tech fans do it. Iowa State fans are going to do it tonight, obviously. Um, it happens uh, <laughs> at that at the West Virginia game. Like I saw a kid like grabbing his dad, who was just screaming 
at one of the refs because, you know, we didn't like a lot of the calls uh, going on in that game last week. And so it definitely happens. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, I guess my, my final thought um, as far as are, are we still going to be mad at uh, Mark Adams for crossing his arms? Hey, he uh, he uncrossed his arms and was pumping up the crowd tonight. So we love to see it. That was the turning point in the whole game, I think. Certainly felt like it. That was a, a big turnaround after that. All right. Hey, thanks, El Jefe. Kaysen, what's up, man? Then we'll get Eric. Hey, funny point about that, actually. So I, I just got home. So I don't, I don't know what y'all talked about for the first part of the show. I uh, just got home from the student section. And me and my boys, we saw whenever Mark uh, was getting a little hand crowd, crowd action going. Lost our minds. Student section was going off. The people were loving it. It was great. So, so that's funny y'all mentioned. But, uh, uh, hey, man, I just want to talk about and recognize, uh, talk about perfect effort. I mean, the way the season's been going, uh, just the negativity on pretty much everything uh, by everyone except for the diehards. It would be so easy for them to have quit in that first half or when they were down 23 in the hole. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's KO. I don't know if it's just the heart in these backups and in this team and in the West Texas dirt. But uh, just all-time perfect effort performance from the team. And uh, if we can replay that effort, it may not equate to more wins. But, damn, it will equate to more close games for sure. Yeah, that's all we've wanted, right? That's all we wanted is that second half effort, and that if you play like you played in the last fifteen minutes the rest of the season, I think nobody will complain. Well, hey, and uh, Rob, real quick, what what Casey was saying there kind of remind me of our discussion from I think the last recap episode that you know, okay, everybody has a down year, a rebuilding year, and we could chalk up some of this to youth and injuries, and like, okay, if you go six and twelve, that's a little bit disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. You can keep you know, your young core and build off of that. But if you go two and 16 or something like that's the wheels falling off. And so a game like tonight, even if it doesn't turn into some miraculous run and you don't make the tournament, you can still like salvage a little bit of something for the program going forward. And so, yeah, to Kaysen's point, it's great to see them just keep fighting through all of that. And is there a huge difference between being one and eight versus zero and nine? Not really, but you got to start somewhere. There's a pulse. There's a pulse. And I think, yeah, that's that's what I'm fired up about tonight. All right, thanks for chiming in, Kaysen. Uh Eric, what's up, man? Hey, first of all, want to say I love Mark Adams uncrossing his arms. Uh, but, you know, you guys touched on it earlier. I want to say that uh, – us playing a, a little bit smaller, you know, Kevin O'Banner running at the five. Uh, I think that really changed a lot on our defensive end. We were a little bit quicker. We got some steals. Um, offensive wise, I noticed in, in the second half, it was a lot less dribble handoffs, uh, more screen, drive the lane, kick it out, screen, drive the lane, go up, get an and one, get a foul. Is that something you guys think we should keep doing in the future? I think so. Um, you know, I think we play a lot on the outside as an offense, and I think we should start, you know, kind of going in. I just wanted your guys' thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I think that pretty much, unless I missed something glaring, you had two ways of generating offense tonight, and that was turnovers and getting to the free throw line. And you've been you know, pretty bad at, at three-point shooting most of the season. Uh, I think the pick and roll has been good for you at times, but you don't go to that uh, as often as some would like you to. And so, yeah, I'm fine with just trying to, you know, get to the free throw line as much as possible and um, either make the rest swallow their whistle or, you know, if they don't call it, you're at least going to the bucket because I, I don't think, you know, other stuff you've been trying has worked for you. But like you said, if you go with the smaller lineup, maybe that helps with the spacing on offense. And if you get O'Banner out there with some shooters, maybe you can kind of uh, space out the opposing defense a little bit better than you have been at times. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm all for trying to get to the free throw line as much as possible. I think that, um, you know, when you're when you're limited offensively like we have been at times, that can be definitely not the worst strategy for a team. Right. And with with Pop Isaacs, you know, hopefully coming back soon, that adds adds another dynamic to us in a small format to where our offense can kind of, you know, benefit from having a little bit more space and a little bit more shooting, a little bit more driving. Yeah, I think, in, in my opinion, do what's working. So, if it's working in the game, do more of that. So, I, I do think that that's uh, a good a good bit of action there. Uh, let's hit Ray and then Thomas. Boys, what's up? First off, I would like to uh, thank you all for winning tonight. Um, I'm going to need you all to go on a little bit of a run here as TCU is going to have to try to survive the next two or three weeks as they try to get healthy. But then I also want to get y'all's thoughts, uh, y'all's first thoughts on Thursday, November 2nd. Thursday, yeah. Uh, The Big 12 owes us one because we're not going to get Texas or OU at home. And assuming TCU kind of becomes the marquee home game on the schedule, because I don't think we have Oklahoma State either, um, like at all. If our biggest game of the season is on a Thursday – uh, they they owe us one, and I don't know if that's a good scheduling break next season or something else, but when you're the most isolated Power 5 university in the country and your major alumni bases are 300-plus miles away, um, it's really tough to get people here for a, a Thursday night game, and it, you know, it'll be a cool atmosphere for the students. I was a student uh, when Tech played TCU. It was TCU's first time coming to the Jones as a member of the Big 12 in 2013, and it was the a cool Fox game. Yeah, the Fox game. That's right. Um, and so, you know, that was that was fun as a student. But now as somebody who lives 300 miles from Lubbock, I'm like, well, shoot, you know, I got to use two days of PTO. And, you know, it's just which, you know, I'm going to do it. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, it makes it harder for folks that live in, in Dallas or Houston or wherever. Um, but I also think at the end of the day, if, if tech is um, – having a good competitive season and fans expect that that game could be a win, then they'll, they'll find a way to show up. Uh, but, but that is a little bit brutal to have what might be your biggest home game, not even be on a Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. What, what are your initial thoughts on Thursday, November 2nd? Um, I actually uh, kind of like it. Uh, we've got a bye week before we go to Lubbock. So, uh, 
And then it's kind of like that extra couple of days rest as uh, November looks to be pretty hard. I think they have Texas, Baylor, and then finish the season with Oklahoma. Uh, and that's a pretty strong stretch there to end the year. And they got Kansas State before uh, before their bye week. Yeah, that is a pretty salty stretch at the end there. Um, I would even be, you know, marginally more happy with a, a Friday game, both from the standpoint of TV ratings. Fridays tend to do better than Thursday, um, and you know the travel. You know, I think it makes it easier to um, to be directly adjacent to the weekend there instead of doing a Thursday night game. Um, yeah, but yeah, my my gut reaction was that I don't love it. I, I do like the Big 12 playing a few games on Thursday or Friday night. Again, I would prefer that to be on Friday, and I wouldn't want I wouldn't want any team to be stuck hosting like the Thursday night or the Friday night every season. I hope that they can work the schedule in a way where you don't have to do that more than once every three years maybe because um, it, it's just a better atmosphere, I think, for everybody when it's on Saturday. Um, Thursday, you're competing with the NFL – which is really tough to do. Um, I get that there's there's Friday Night Lights in the in the state of Texas, but um, we know how important the the TV ratings are for conference realignment, TV payouts, all that good stuff. And Thursday is just a lot tougher than Friday. So that was my gut reaction. I wish that game was on a Saturday, but like I said, I'll be there. They could play it Tuesday at eight thirty a.m. and I would be there. Um, so it's not ideal, but we'll we'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, Friday nights kind of feel like uh, Central Florida, uh, UCF. That feels very UCF. And then I'm also uh, disappointed uh, Oklahoma State isn't on our schedule this year because they're going to be bums. Yeah, I, I think – so the, the scuttlebutt is that the the four teams Texas Tech is not playing next year are OU, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, and Iowa State. And besides Oklahoma, I think the other three are going to be in – probably a pretty bad spot next year if I had to guess. Um, Cincinnati, first-year head coach, I think they lost a lot of talent. Oklahoma State, of course, has lost a ton in the transfer portal. Um, new defensive coordinator. So, yeah, I would have loved to shot at all three of those teams. I think those would be, again, on the spectrum of winnable games, you know, more toward the end that, that you would want to play. But I'm also excited to hopefully get around to some of the new members, Um you know, I would love to maybe go to Provo or, or the Bounce House. I don't know if we can do that all in the in the first couple of years that they're going to be here, but hopefully some kind of compelling road games as well. Because um, yeah, I want to go get acquainted with the new stadiums in the conference and uh, hang out with their fans and get to know a couple different college towns. Yeah, I think uh, TCU kicks off Big Twelve play this year uh, down at Houston. I think that'll be the first Big Twelve game. And then I think the Big 12 also missed an opportunity. I've heard that Oklahoma will host UCF this year. They should have sent OU to Central Florida. Yeah, I, I was a big proponent of Texas and Oklahoma should have to go to Houston and UCF in September. And then they should both have to go to BYU, <laughs> uh, Iowa State, and Cincinnati in late November. And then they can like sandwich all their home games in between, but give them like the worst weather cities uh, and worst weather spots in terms of like time of year. 
I thought that would have been a nice going away present for them. Oh, he's so, already yeah. been or- in Orlando. Do what, Rob? I said OU's already been in Orlando this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cheese it Bowl. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, good thoughts, Ray. And we're, we're going to, uh, after the full schedule is announced, I'm sure we'll make that kind of the focal point of our, our midweek episode. So looking forward to that. Finally dropping at 1 p.m. tomorrow, allegedly. I'm kind of at believe it when I see it, um, just because it's been so long. Thomas, I think you are last but not least, man. What do you think? Yeah, so um, I think we've been, you know, talking on the Discord, and I think you guys have been talking about it on the the podcast. Um, obviously, the the idea that Mark and staff kind of swung and missed as far as the kind of guys we were going after this year versus the previous year, where everyone is like, last year was what like six five to six eight, six nine, and then you know, obviously this year we we got a bunch of really small guys and, you know, Fardals. Um, my point on all this is that, like, yeah, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Like, the, the, the comeback against Iowa State should be a surprise. That is surprising. But it shouldn't be a surprise that the the lineup that we had the most success with, both, both defensively and uh, on offense, is the kind of lineup that would be the most similar to last year's team. Granted, Harmon is a smaller guy, but um, and Williams was a smaller guy. But if you put Walton out there, and if you put Washington, O'Banner, and Tyson, if you put Fisher out there, those guys are all kind of the same kind of size guys as last year. And um, yeah, I think like more than anything else, like did we just kind of revert to what worked last year to actually make something work this year? Yeah, I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm still confused by some of the rotations and everything. Like, um, going back to, I guess it was probably April or something, when Damarian Williams announced he was committing, I, I was like, okay, this is this is a perfect fit for Adams. Like, he was a 39% three-point shooter at a really high volume. Um, I forgot which, you know, analytics metric this was, but he was rated, like, top – 78th percentile in the in defensive efficiency he was listed at 6'5 I'm not sure if he's actually that tall but that's really neither here nor there but I was like okay great this is a you know pretty tall lengthy guy who can defend and shoot the three and he's kind of been buried on the depth chart but yet at the end of this game he's yeah I don't know if he got a ton of minutes but he's out there in crucial spots like at the end of regulation when you're trying to you know cut it to within three or four and then uh, of course tie it up to send it to overtime and so it's strange to say, but you know we're going to turn the calendar to February here, and I, I think it's still really fluid in terms of not only which individual guys are getting minutes, but the types of lineups that are out there. Like, are they going to they going to go small ball? Are they going to give these young guys like Fisher um, and Jennings and Washington minutes, or you know is that going to kind of revert back to what we expected when when Pop was healthy? Uh, and I don't know if they know the answer, just because it's changed so much. I mean, we talked about Kerwin Walton a lot, goes off against LSU, but before that was kind of not getting a ton of minutes, uh, at least not until the couple games leading up to that. So, yeah, I mean, it. I, I think it's kind of um, just a little bit dumbfounding, um, and I think it's hard to predict what direction they're going to go next with a lot of the lineups. And It's almost like 
you know, you just like spin the wheel and some random guy that you're not really expecting to get minutes will play a big role. And a guy who seems to have been featured prominently will kind of fall off and get less minutes. So I don't know what they're going to do going forward, but um, yeah, they've definitely tried a couple different things and they found something that worked tonight with O'Banner playing the five. And I guess we'll see if they uh, want to stick with that going forward or if that was maybe just kind of a one-off. Yeah. I mean, I think, the 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 most obvious thing is like we just played with desperation. We didn't have the the Luke Adams offense. We didn't have the Steve Green offense. We just had desperation. And can you play forty minutes like that every you know Saturday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or something? Probably not. But I think we have to. Obviously, the coaching staff is going to be uh, way smarter than any of us on here talking right now, but. I would think you'd have to, you know, try and do some kind of hybrid at least of, you know, you're going to have a couple of smaller guys. You have two big giant guys. But if you can put three, three and a half people on the floor that are, you know, more in the style of last year's team in that 6'4", six, 6'5", six, to 6'8 range, I just can't help but think that you're going to have a little bit more success. Um, hopefully, like, you know, as you guys – talked about early on Tyson and O'Banner they did not leak out uh, in the second half they really crashed the boards um, and obviously you're just going to need a whole lot more of that going forward to have any kind of success even if it doesn't chalk up to wins yeah agreed um, Eric I think you're next and then we'll get to country music legend Darius Rucker Yeah, I think Thomas brought up a lot of good points. Uh, you know, I think the the smaller lineup was doing us pretty well. Uh, I don't know if you guys, you know, have feelers out there and know anything about Pop's injury. I haven't seen anything about it, so I don't know how long he's going to be out. Obviously, Fardoz uh, was doing his thing for a little bit. Um, so I'm curious as well as about how long he's going to be out, but I think Fisher, uh, the last couple of games has really shown his thing. So I'm kind of just curious about what you guys think, uh, you know, this little bit smaller lineup and kind of how that is going to help us in the future. Obviously it only works against some teams. Um, but I think, I think we really kind of, figured something out tonight. So I'm just kind of curious about what you guys think. Yeah, I'm, I'm generally a proponent, you know, with, with this roster and with how the season has gone, I'm a proponent of letting the young guys get a lot of minutes and they might kind of take their lumps along the way. But when some of your more veteran guys like KJ Allen aren't getting a ton of minutes, Bacho didn't get a lot of minutes tonight, at least not versus what he's used to. AMAC is hurt. And so I don't see – an issue with letting a guy like Robert Jennings go get some minutes. Um, you know, he's definitely more of an interior player than a perimeter player, but he doesn't have a ton of height. And so you could still play with a, a smaller lineup with him and or O'Banner out there in the post. And, you know, I think we've seen really good flashes from uh, Lamar Washington. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of letting guys like that get a lot of minutes at this juncture because I think that can help you and Fisher, who you alluded to, I think that can help you grow next season. It, it kind of keeps them bought in. You know, it, it's tough in the era of the transfer portal for guys to 
like see the big picture and like, okay, two years from now, where can I be if I stay in this program? You know, they want the immediate playing time, which I, I totally understand. But, you know, if you're not competing for a Big 12 title, you're not competing for a tournament spot, you know, let's try to develop some of these guys like Fisher and Washington and Jennings. And so I would like to see them incorporate some of the younger guys into the lineup more. Um, yeah, it, it may not be your optimal lineup in terms of, like, overall offensive or defensive efficiency, but I think that could pay dividends going into next year if you can get some of those guys to stay put. So that that's kind of what I would like to see. Yeah, I 100% agree, you know, making sure that these guys feel comfortable, making sure, you know, that they see that their their role in the future, um, you know, I, 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 I think that's great, you know, but I also want to see success. And, you know, obviously this year hasn't gone quite the way that all of us are wanting to see it. Uh, you know, but I want to see the, the, you know, the best lineups out there and I want to see everybody succeeding, you know, successfully. Um, and I want to make sure that they all want to stay around for the next year. So, you know, some of these lineups that we saw tonight were performing pretty well. And that was a significant amount of freshmen out there as well as quite a small lineup. So, you know, I think it's just something to consider going on in the future for the rest of the season is, you know, kind of making everybody comfortable and whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it hasn't really cost you um, at least not your last two games. I mean, you, you were on an eight game losing streak and I'm not saying it was only because of this, but Elijah Fisher gets more minutes. Pop is of course injured, which I think thrust Lamar Washington into the game more and you go two and O in a short stretch here um, and, you know, I'm certainly not saying you're like better off without pop or something like that, but you know, when you're zero and eight, what do you have to lose? You know, it's not like there's some huge drop off associated with spreading the minutes around, um, to some of the younger guys who could use that for, for learning experience. So I hope it continues to trend that way the rest of the season. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't feel that way if they didn't look promising, but I think we've seen good stuff from Washington and Fisher and guys like that so far. Um, Darius, Darius Rucker, I think you're next, man. What do you got for us? Darius, are you still with us? Maybe not. Uh, Rob, are you still with us? Yeah, I was just thinking it was time for uh, Darius Rucker to speak. Yeah, I thought he was going to hit us with a little love and some tenderness. I don't want to go out sad, though, with a guy who uh, who can't unmute. So uh, do you have any final thoughts for us? Oh, man, feel pretty good about uh, Texas Tech beating I- Iowa State and Dolphins make me cry, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, hey, here's to, here's to burn bridges. Here, here. All right. Shout out to Barnett, Howard and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. Thank you for being a sponsor of the People's Post game during basketball season. We will talk to you all, uh, let's see, Wednesday night. Uh, if you're a subscriber on our Patreon, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos, you can stream that episode live. Otherwise, it'll um, hit on Thursday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, 
Who's who do we have on Saturday, Rob? Baylor. Baylor in Waco, I believe. Okay, coming off a road loss to Texas, unless they had some miraculous comeback in the final seconds. They did not. So yeah, they're going to be a hungry, hungry squad, I think. But we've never been afraid of fighting bears around here, have we, Rob? Nope. And uh, you're one and zero in Waco in the last one trip. One and zero in your last one. Love that. Um, cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We always love to chop it up with you all after. Uh, Big 12 basketball game. Thanks for your comments, for your input. We'll talk to you all next time. Love you all. Love you all.